Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of The Weekly 3, your daily podcast on the NBA with me, Leonardo Bordonjo. Well guys, today we're going to be talking about the marathon we had last night. We had 11 different matches being played throughout the league. And oof, I got tired just thinking about it. Well, the night started with the Bulls visiting Cleveland. Versus the Cavs, Chicago came in strong. And by the second quarter, they were up 35-25. to 25. Tristan Thompson, however, was in one of those nights. He would end up with 23 points, 10 boards and 5 blocks. At the break, the Bulls were up by 3, but everything would change in the second half. Kevin Love scored 17 and grabbed 20 rebounds as the Cavs had a great fourth quarter that saw them take the lead. With 29 seconds to go, Love found Colin Sexton, who absolutely posterized Wendell Carter Jr., making it 112-106 and pretty much ending the game. The final score, Bulls 111, Cavs 117. Then it was time to see the Knicks facing the Magic in Orlando. Following their first win of the season against the Bulls, they were really looking to gain some momentum, but the Magic had another idea. The Knicks came in swinging. At halftime, they were up 44-42, in part due to Mitchell Robinson as he went to the break leading all scorers with 12 points. The Magic, however, would come into the second half with a different attitude. With 5 minutes played in the third, they were already up by 9, a lead that would increase to 13 by the end of the quarter. But the Knicks wouldn't give up and a 13-0 run to begin the fourth quarter meant that the score would be tied at 72. In a game with 13 lead changes, Orlando ran away with the score in the final minutes, and Darren Gordon sealed the win with a steal and a dunk to make 83-95. Honestly, I think Orlando has potential. Vucevic ended the night with 21 points, 13 rebounds and 4 assists, and Michael Fultz has been developing nicely. After that difficult time in Philly, I think he has the time and space to develop in Orlando, and he's shown some promising signs this season. Mobamba, on the other hand, is a player that I'm disappointed to see not have enough minutes to develop into the player that I think he can be. With his physical attributes, 6 minutes of play just isn't enough for a player to impact the game and to develop like he has to develop. The game between Minnesota and the 76ers was the one that was really leaving me excited. Two undefeated teams with similar styles of play, and it was interesting to see if Carl Anthony Towns would keep up the level that he's playing to against Embiid. And those two had quite an interesting night. Uh, this was a battle of big men, and I had nothing run from the 76ers allowed them to jump on the score, but this really was a battle of big men, as both Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns would lead the scorers in the first half with 13 points each, as Philly would go to the break up 62-43. Their bully ball mentality kept going in the second half, and the Timberwolves defense just didn't have enough answers, as with 7 minutes left in the third quarter, they were already down by 20 points. Then came the real battle. Following a double team on Cat, he and Embiid got into a wrestling match worthy of the WWE and had to be separated. We all know how Embiid can be sometimes, and of course he used this as an excuse to troll Cat and to hype Philly fans as they were both ejected from the game. Final score, the Sixers won comfortably 117-95 to and handed Timberwolves their first loss of the season. The Bucks faced the Celtics in a probable playoff match at the Garden, and Kemba continued his great start of the season, ending the game with 32 points, 6 rebounds and 6 assists. The Bucks came in hot, 34-19 after the first quarter that kept the lead in the second, meaning that at halftime they were up by 16. The second half, however, was different. 
Slowly but surely, Celtics started to get back into the game. It culminated in a 13 to nothing run to end the third quarter that saw him go back on top, 77 to 76. They gained momentum, and despite their efforts by Giannis and Chris Middleton, who had 22 points and 14 rebounds and 26 points, the Celtics were on a roll and ended up closing out the game 116 to 105. To be honest, I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Celtics. I think they're better off without Kyrie. Honestly, skill-wise, he's one of the best in the league, there's no doubt about it. But Kemba actually fits the style of play better. Their ball movement is more fluid than ever, which allows players like Tatum and Gordon Hayward to get open looks. The Bucks, however, I think are a step down from last season. I know it's still early, but Milwaukee seems different. And I've talked about this before, Bledsoe, in my opinion, isn't the right point guard for Milwaukee. And I think they should have gone and signed someone different. However, they have Giannis, and with the Greek Freak, there's always a chance to win a game. The 0-3 Pacers flew to Brooklyn to face Kyrie and the Nets, and they surprised me. The Nets came out on top in the first half, finishing 63-60. My starter of the Pacers had to be carried out of the game after rolling his ankle, but according to reports, he'll be fit to play on Friday. This gave Sabonis a chance to show out, and he did that, believe me. Despite Kyrie's efforts to keep Brooklyn in the game, the Pacers slowly started to pull away in the third quarter. They outscored the Nets by 10 points thanks to TJ Warren's 12 and ended up managing the result up until the last second. Sabonis had an absolute night finishing the game with 29 points, 8 rebounds and 4 assists and he'll have an important role to fill if Tucker isn't back at 100% next Friday. Then came the defending champions Raptors hosting Detroit in a very interesting game. Toronto came into the game with a running mentality. Literally, they scored 14 of their 37 first quarter points from fast breaks. They led by 9 after the first quarter and by 6 at halftime. Detroit tried to keep up with Markif Morris and D. Rose scoring 14 points each, but the Raptors had 4 different players scoring in double digits at the break. The third quarter was Siakam time. 19 points in 12 minutes, shooting 3 from 4 from 3 point range. It was key for Toronto's win, as they would outscore Detroit by 10, setting up a comfortable win, 125-113. to I think this Raptors team has potential. They have a star in Siakam, who I'm betting will be an all-star this season, and they seem to have a really tight core. I'm interested to see how they'll play against harder opponents, such as the Celtics or the Bucks or the 76ers, but I think they can easily make the second round of the playoffs. Detroit, on the other hand, missed a scorer. With Blake Griffin being out, they lack someone who can take the ball and score when needed. However, I like watching D-Rose play and I think he's finally found a place where he can settle down and really thrive. The new faced Rockets played in Washington against the Wizards in a game that will save for the ages as they won 159-158. to And yes, you heard me right, 159, that's 159-158. to In one of the biggest scoring matches I've ever seen, Washington came in swinging as they were looking for the win. At the break, they were up 77-76, to mainly due to Bradley's build 20 points and 6 assists as he guided Washington, despite Harden scoring 21 points and Westbrook dishing out 11 assists. Bill, however, would be unable to keep this pace, and in the second half, Harden just went off for 38 points, 11 from 20 from the field, 4 from 8 from 3-point range, as well as scoring 12 free throws. Both teams exchanged leads until the final minute of the game, with 12.3 seconds to go when the Wizards down 158 to 155, and now I'm not mistaken, 158 to 155, 
Bill was fouled by P.J. Tucker as he was attempting a three-point shot. After scoring all of his three free throws and tying the game at 158, Harden got the ball, drove to the basket, and got fouled. He would make the first and miss the second one, securing a historic win for the Rockets. This is how powerful a backcourt duo of Westbrook and Harden can be. Harden scored 59 points, 3 rebounds and 9 assists. Westbrook had yet another triple-double, with 17 points, 10 rebounds and 12 assists. Putting that together, that's 76 points, 13 rebounds and 21 assists from just 2 players. That's completely mental, and that just shows you how powerful they can be on the offensive side of the ball. Their main problem, however, is on defense, and they need to improve it because they won't be able to keep scoring at this pace throughout the season. OKC hosted the Blazers in a revenge match following last season's elimination by the hands of Dame Lillard. Portland came in hot and outscored OKC by 7 in the first quarter, showing that they were coming for business. Without Steven Adams, Netherlands Noel took over and had 7 points and 8 rebounds in the first half. He would end the game with a double-double of 15 points and 14 rebounds. Coming into the third quarter, down by 5, the Thunder took the lead before reaching Dame time. AKA the fourth quarter. Lillard took over the game. He had 10 points, dished out 5 assists, and basically closed out a 102-99 victory in Oklahoma. This Portland team is really good, I can't emphasize that enough. They now have plenty of playoff experience, and I think this is the last season we'll see CJ and Lillard together in the backcourt. It will be difficult for them to get to the Western Conference Finals, let alone the NBA Finals. Getting into the last few games, the Clippers faced one of the most exciting offenses in the league in Utah. Without Kawhi, who was out for load management, the Jazz went in for the kill, outscoring the Clippers by 10 before LA responded back. Courtesy of Lou Williams' 9 points in the second quarter that will leave the score at 51-52 for the Jazz at the break. In the third quarter, Utah came back strong, outscoring the Clippers again, but this time by 18 points, in great part due to Mike Conley, who after a couple of games went off for 18 points in the third quarter as he would finish with 29 points, 5 assists, 2 steals and a 110-96 win. This game was just a game. One single game, and the Clippers didn't have Kawhi nor PG. And I think we're all pretty sure that if Kawhi had played this game, the score would have probably been different. Still, the Jazz won, full merits to them, and I think they really can go for a really great season. Then the rebuilding Hornets faced the surprisingly winless Kings, who can only blame themselves for this loss, let's be honest. In a good offensive performance in the first two quarters, they went to the break 5 points clear from the Hornets, who had in rookie P.J. Washington, a rookie, their main scorer, as he ended the half with 17 points and 4 rebounds. The third quarter, however, lost it all for the Kings. They scored 14 less points in the Hornets and lost the lead. Coming into the fourth quarter, not even Buddy Hills' 12 points were enough to turn the score around, as the Hornets won 118-111, with rookie P.J. Washington scoring 23 points and grabbing 8 rebounds. Let me be honest, I'm disappointed with the Kings, and particularly with De'Aaron Fox. I know it's still early, but so far he hasn't been the player we saw last season, and I was predicting him to be an all-star this season, I was expecting him to really improve his game, and so far he's kind of let me down, and I think if the Kings really want to get over this slump, they need De'Aaron Fox at the level that he got us used to last season, not this De'Aaron Fox. And Buddy Hill has some blame too. 
I think he got more focused on his new contract instead of actually playing and earning his new contract. So I think the Kings really need to have a discussion and see what's important this season. And in the last game of the night, Devin Booker and the Suns played against Steph and company in another difficult night for Golden State. In a game marked by Curry breaking his left hand, in the first half, the Warriors came in fighting, before the Suns exploded to a 30-1 run that left the team with a first-scored 29-point deficit, their tied largest for franchise history. After a slight improvement in the second quarter, the Warriors would go into the third quarter still down by 26, before trying to rally back into the game, but by the fourth quarter the deficit was just too big, and so the Suns handed Golden State another loss in what will be a very difficult season. We all knew that without KD and Clay, this would be a very different team. However, I wasn't expecting this degree of bad. The loss of Steph means that D'Angelo Russell have to pick up on the offensive side, and I think this will be Steve Kerr's first true test as a coach. Well, that's all for today's guys. Sorry if I rushed it through a little bit. There were 11 games and I didn't want this to be a very long episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel in your chosen platform so you're always up to date and follow me on Twitter if you want to be informed on other issues. I'm at leo underscore brudonhos, that's B-O-R-D-O-N-H-O-S. That's all from me guys, I'll see you tomorrow.